0: Anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Erin, and I am the Manitoba representative for Presbyterian World Service and Development for our church's national committee, which oversees the work of PWSD. So, PWSD is the relief and development agency of the Presbyterian Church in Canada, and so Prairie Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. PWSD receives donations from all across the country. As well as we get money from the Canadian government, and we're part of alliances like the Canada Food Grains Bank and Action by Churches Together. So, lots of you know I was gone for four weeks in January and February, um, and I was on a monitoring visit to northern India with one of our program coordinators. So, like I said, PWSD works through partners. We don't send Canadian staff to go run programs overseas. All our programming is run by local people for local people. So that means most of the connection with pws with our staff, is through phone and email. And that can be hard when you're not right there meeting people. And so to aid in relationship and capacity building, and as well as to meet some of the government's accountability requirements, our staff and committee visit our partners, we get to see the work firsthand, and we get to meet the people whose projects, who the projects are impacting. Uh, monitoring visits also involve a lot of meetings with boards, with management teams, uh, means meeting with accountants and auditors, um, means literally looking through receipts and finance books. Um, so it wasn't all just the stuff I'll show you pictures of. Some of it was sitting in offices looking at spreadsheets. Um, but meetings like these help pws make sure that we know where the donations of people like you are going and it makes sure that we know they're being used for real change, for real people. So the first thing is a map of the world. Where's my pictures? OK, there's my map of the world. Um, does any of the kids know where, what continent India is in? Anyone know what continent India is in? It's in Asia. So I know not everyone will be able to see my laser pointer. Whoa, go back, go back. (laughs) But India's over here. So it's over here. We live over here. So we flew all the way over here. Okay, now you can go to the next map. So people always ask me where in India I was. The computer's really slow this morning. I apologize. (laughs) There we go. So the best I can tell people is I was in the very center of India. So we were in a state called Madhya Pradesh. And so the biggest city in India is Delhi, which is way up here. So we flew into Delhi and then down here. So this this region of India is really, really poor. Madhya Pradesh is one of the poorest states in India. And in some places, it has malnutrition rates about the same as sub-Saharan Africa. So when we're looking at India, it's not just big cities, lots of technology in the Taj Mahal, there's also lots of places where people are living on less than a dollar a day. Madhya Pradesh also has really high rates of maternal, newborn, and child death. And so in India, PWSD works with the Church of North India, um, the Bhopal Diocese, and the Central Regional Board of Health Services. Um, so we spent time in Indore, which is the capital of Madhya Pradesh, And it's considered a smaller city, so it only has about 3 million people. (laughs) So this is a map of Madhya Pradesh. And so the capital city indoors over here, and then we spent time over here. So we were in this little tiny corner of India. Um, But everything looks really close together, but it's a lot of driving over dirt roads in the back of a land rover bouncing around to get anywhere. Um, And in fact, one of the things I thought was interesting was we learned that until the 1980s, the Presbyterian Church in Canada actually um, was in charge of some of the roads in that area. So they had developed the roads for the missionaries to travel between church and health center colonies. And so they, until the 80s, the Presbyterian Church maintained those roads, not the Indian government. Um, So the Presbyterian Church has a huge legacy in India, right down to the roads. So when I was thinking about what to tell you about this morning, I thought I started writing this big presentation, and then I thought, no, like this is my family. I'm going to tell you my trip um, to my family. So if you guys want to go to the first pictures, there we go. So most recently in the Madhya Pradesh region, PWSND funded a project called the Community Health and Self Reliance Project. So that's the project we were visiting. And the goal of the project was to increase health, so it's a health project, but also to increase self-sufficiency of the participants in the project areas. So the idea of doing development work is to work yourself out of a job, to work yourself out of an area. You don't want to create systems that mean your involvement has to last forever. Um, That's not development. That's just aid. So there was a lot of aspects to the project. And I'll show you a few of them today so that you can have an idea of the kind of things the Presbyterian Church is supporting. So this is in the very first village we visited, and the children were showing us something they learned in school. So hand washing sometimes seems super simple to us, right? It's something we take for granted, being able to just wash our hands. But something I've discovered both this time in India and when I was in Malawi four years ago is that hand washing is certainly not easy when you don't have a sink. And hand washing is also life saving. So this picture illustrates how people wash their hands when there is no running water, when there is no sink. Water is gathered from the hand pumps and you pour it over your hands just a little bit And then the kids show you, you scrub your soap, then you reach your hands out and they pour water them over them again. We take a lot for granted when water comes out from our taps, and something that always impacts me when I come back is remembering that we don't need to let our water run while we soap our hands up. We're just so used to watching the water flow. Now, hand washing significantly reduces the spread of diseases, and teaching children has been found to be very effective because not only do they learn this and carry it forwards, they bring it home and teach it to their families. So you know when kids are really excited about something they learn in school, they tell everyone about it. So the next picture we have is of a hand pump in the villages. So this would be a very, very deep uh, well that provides fresh water. Now in India, There are lots of programs available um, for getting water, but a lot of the little tiny tribal villages have a really hard time accessing them. So this might be because there's low levels of literacy and communication, there's caste discrimination, there's corruption. And so one of the things the project worked on was helping villages connect to these government projects. So in this case, the government has a project to come repair your hand pumps, And this one had been broken. But nobody in the community knew about it. They don't have internet. They don't have TV. There's not really reliable mail service when there's a walk-in community. So how would they know? So one of the things the project did was instead of saying, oh, we'll come and fix your hand pump, they said, how can we connect you to the programs that are always going on? So the next picture is some of the scenery from India. So I'm going to be honest. I had no idea what India looked like. Um, And India has many, many different climates and terrains. Um, It's got mountains. It's got plains. But the area I was in was like this. It was very dry. It was hilly, but not mountains. And what you can't, it's kind of hard to see in this picture, but what they've done is what's called watershed work. So there's a lot of, in the rainy season, soil and stuff that just washes down the hills instead of sinking into the ground to raise the water table. So over here, and I know my laser pointer's small, there's a wall. So what that wall is going to do is stop the soil from sliding. And so many of the villages were able to connect with government programs to build up their water tables. And in fact, in this picture, this was one of the next one, sorry. This is one of the coolest things we saw the whole trip. So, what you see here is a hole, and the hole is about 10 feet down, max. These guys are standing in it. So, in this village, their wells had run dry, so they were having to carry water from really far away from the next village. So, they started working with help from the project with a government contractor who helped them build these little things called check dams to slow the flow of water. Now, I'm not a water engineer. I have one sitting right there who could probably explain it a lot better. Um, But the idea is that we want to raise the water table. And so these two men were so, so excited to show us. They've been digging this hole and they found water 10 feet down after only one rainy season. So their hope is after another rainy season that they'll be able to have water in their wells again. And that makes a huge, huge, huge difference. So the next picture I took is one of my favorite pictures from the entire trip. And it's my favorite picture because apparently selfies are universal throughout the world. (laughs) Um, And so I don't speak very good Hindi at all. I speak like two words of Hindi. And these two women didn't speak English at all. But they were very very clear that they wanted to take a selfie with me. Um, So we did that. But one of the amazing things about the woman in the middle of this picture is that with the help of our project, she's really found um, some strength. So the project works in each village by having one person called a community health CHV, yeah, Community Health Volunteer, who sort of helps coordinate things. And so she's the community health volunteer in her village, but she also now has a government position called the ASHA, which stands for something, but it's in Hindi, so (laughs) we're not going to go there. But the idea of the position is to encourage women to go to the hospital to give birth, to encourage cleaner sanitation, and to encourage simple, simple cures for waterborne illness. So when someone has diarrhea, here's how to make oral rehydration salts. Now, this woman has taken that role and flourished. Um, you could see the people around her respect her. And she's been able to scare the school teachers into actually coming to teach classes on time, which sounds like we take that for granted, too, that people who have a job teaching school show up. But in some of these villages, that's, you never know if the teacher's going to show up that day or if they're going to show up at 8 or 10 or noon. But in her village, the teachers are there and the kids are learning. And for a woman in tribal India, that is a huge, huge deal, that people are respecting her and listening to her. So she sort of amazed me a lot. (laughs) So in the next picture, I have three more women. Um, What was interesting was we were in three different village clusters. And in this cluster we were in, the women wouldn't speak if there was men present. So the project manager sent all the men away. <laughs> he was like, no, you guys get to listen to the women, which was also amazing. Um, but you could see all the guys hovering over there, sort of looking, trying to see what was, <laughs> what was happening. So one of the other things that the church helps with, or I guess PWSND's project, is starting what's called a women's self-help group. Now, we often think of self-help groups as like Alcoholics Anonymous or things like that, but what it is is basically a saving circle. So approximately 10 women come together on a schedule of their choosing, because things work better when you choose them yourself. But let's just say they come together once a week. Now, every week, they've set an amount of rupees they need to bring to the group. So maybe it's 10, maybe it's 100. It's going to depend on the village. So each woman will bring her rupees. Maybe it's 10. They put them in a common common pool. And then the group members can borrow from each other. So imagine this. If there's 10 of us, and we each brought a dollar a week to a group. So at the first week, we'd have $10. But after 10 weeks, we'd have $100. Now, maybe I need something. Maybe I need a suit for a job interview. I can now borrow from the group that $100 go buy my suit, then hopefully I get the job and I'm able to pay back the loan with interest and the pot of money is still accumulating because every week you're bringing your dollar. So the women are able to use this for things like buying seeds for their gardens, uniforms for school, school fees, um, starting a small business. Maybe it's buying a sewing machine. Maybe it's paying for medicine, paying hospital fees, whatever it is. And it makes a huge difference. And the really cool thing about um, these groups in India is that after they've established themselves and have a record of loan repayment, the group can go to the bank, and the bank is able to make bigger loans. So some of the things people were buying would be like a bison for milk, or a buffalo, rather, um, which are very different than Canadian bison, but they're called buffalo. Um, so, for milk, which can improve their entire family's health and wellness, or chickens or goats with these bigger loans. We saw one woman who started a store in her village um, out back of her house, and she's now able um, to have her teenage daughter continue to attend school instead of dropping out to get married because there's money for that. So that's something the women are doing. If you go to the next slide, I'll show you something that the men are doing. I really thought those would turn out bigger. Anyway, the group of awkward-looking men are a village farmers committee. Um, and so just like the women come together and they meet, in this case, this is to get the men talking to each other, sharing what works, figuring out what's needed. So depending on the community, there's different needs. Some communities need an irrigation system. We saw one where they had bought, it's like a water tank that goes on your back, and then you can like water your stuff. Um, instead of having to haul bucket after bucket. Um, Some communities wanted better seeds, so they're able to meet together, pool some money, get better seeds, then you're able to sell them. One of the big things in India is having your crops certified. Um, I don't know that much about Canadian crops, but in India, you can make a lot more for your grain if it's been certified, but you have to pay to get it certified. So you have to have that cash up front. So, that's something our project is able to help with. Um, And one of the great things about the way the project works is that each community identifies what the concerns in their community are. So, instead of us saying, okay, your community needs better crops, so we're gonna give you everyone a water system, not all the communities need that. And we're working in 27 communities, and they all have different needs. So, the next picture. Okay, now we're gonna talk about poop. (laughs) So, this is a compost (laughs) compost called a NADAP tank. And most of the composting in India was just sort of like, okay, we're gonna throw things in a pile over there. This is a system that makes organic compost in six months. So, it's a cement tank and it's got little holes on the side. And you put it in layers. So, you use cow manure and then um, like grass or um, stalks from corn and then some soil, and you make layers. Once it's full, you just wait. And after six months, you've got a whole ton of organic compost. So this woman's pointing to her fields and showing us, and she had a water source, which was also helpful, but she was showing us, look how much I'm able to grow. I don't have to buy fertilizer. It's not chemicals. It's organic, and it's made with stuff that's easily accessible in the community. And so everywhere I went, They were like, "Okay, we need more of these. We need more, because we'd try it out with one farmer, um, who would then tell his friends and his family, like, hey, this works so well. You should try it too. Because it's one thing for us to come and say, hey, this is this great way of organic composting. Everyone should do it. But why would you do it if you didn't know it was going to work? Like, what was wrong with the old way? So if you can find one person who's willing to buy in, it's a lot easier to get other people to buy in. Another thing that happened was some of the farmers were able to go and get training in conservation agriculture. Um, So from the different villages, they would all go together um, and have one training done by um, staff hired by the project. They were able to learn better ways to farm, more about drought-resistant crops, and things about collecting seeds and stuff. I don't know a lot about farming. The farmers know much, much more. <laughs> but the majority of people affected by this project are subsistence farmers. So the only way that they're getting income and food is by farming on very small plots of land. So the next picture, this is <laughs> Rishiraj. He is one of the project officers. And he's holding up his model for a kitchen garden. So the idea of a kitchen garden is to help families get more nutrients and diverse nutrients. So most people there, they're growing wheat. They're eating a lot of starch, not so many vitamins. A kitchen garden, it's a circle. It's like a pie. So in the very center, you have room for a compost. And then you have these pies. So there's 14 plots in your kitchen garden with little walkways. I guess you could think of it like a wheel, too. And the idea is to grow 14 different vegetables and rotate around so your family can have a different vegetable for lunch and dinner for seven days. So again, it's not always easy to get people to buy into something new. So one of the things the project did was make sample gardens in each village cluster and show people, like, hey, look, look at these tomatoes and this. This works. And people were really excited about it. So this is my last picture, because I thought people would want to see this. <laughs> this is um, the two people I was with. There's me on one end, and then Leah, who's program staff at Peter India in Toronto, and Michelle Verwey, who works for international ministries. And we're standing outside a really big church. Now, this church was having a rededication. They'd built some new space. And so we were able to go to a giant festival. Um, And of course, because we were guests from Canada, we had to sit at the front on the stage. (laughs) Um, But the church in this little area of India is huge. Um, And the cool thing there is that the church doesn't discriminate. Um, by religion, by race, by tribe, by caste, our project will work with anyone at all. And I really, really respected that because there are a lot of Christians in that area of India, but it's not held back because people aren't a Christian. So it's a way of witnessing without ever having to say a word. So India India was amazing. Um, We did get to go see the Taj Mahal at the very end. We spent a little bit of time in Delhi, and it was very interesting to see the disparity between the very, very, very rich and the very, very poor. And I'm so glad that I'm part of a church that sees people from across the world and across the spectrum as equal in God's kingdom. Amen.